This morning we continue in the, in the Red Letter series, and it's really the Red Letters in some of our Bibles are the words of Jesus, and um, it's really interesting. Oftentimes we, we, we see this and we read them, but we just kind of don't even think about it, but we're kind of spending this time it's really studying the words of Jesus, and so you're going to hear a lot of those this morning. But I, I kind of want to begin in a different place. Have you ever heard the, the, um, the statement, love is blind, but the neighbors ain't? Well, I, I, really, I really believe that kind of, it's kind of the, the flip side here with, with Jesus is that Jesus was the one that wasn't blind. He saw things, and it was the rest of us that was kind of were blind. And we weren't necessarily the ones who were loving, but we were the ones who were, were blind, where we were getting it. And I, I want to begin this morning because we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Pharisees and the, well, this is really a little bit loud. There we go. Um, Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, the Jews, if you're reading in your scriptures, kind of a capital J, and it's just a certain group. And, and we talk about them, and sometimes when we think about them, we think about them in, in very negative terms. We think, oh, those are those awful people that, that heard Jesus and didn't believe, and, and they're the ones who crucified him, and, and they're such awful, terrible, horrible people. And maybe that's true. But I want to begin to think and talk about them a little bit this morning in a little bit different light. You see, because the, the Pharisees were really this, this group that, um, we better, a group that uh, really were very religious, very faithful. They, they loved the scripture. They studied it. They did their best to, to follow through with it and, and to live out what they read as the law. They were faithful to go to the synagogue and, and to, to give alms or to give money to the poor. They were faithful to give in their, their tithes to the church. And they made sure they tithed everything. You can read in Scripture where Jesus said, you even tithed a little bit of, of dill seed and all these other kind of things that you, that you grew. So they were very faithful in, in what they believed. They, they followed the law expressly. They believed in a, in a resurrection. They believed in a, in a coming Messiah. They were just regular old church people, right? They did all the right things. They went all the right places and they did all the right things. And oftentimes we, we get angry at them because, well, well you didn't listen to Jesus and, and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. But we have the opportunity to kind of see from the, the neighbor's view, right? And so when we begin to think about the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and the scribes and teachers of the law, we need to be kind of getting, give them a little bit of slack we begin to understand that we could easily fall into that same place, right? I mean, we're the people that come to church on Sunday mornings and, and we sit in our seats. And we're the people that, you know, we don't smoke or chew or hang out with folks that do. And, and so we're the, that good group of people, right? We're good moral people. We follow the rules. We put our money in the offering plate. We drop some coins or dollars in the Salvation Army pot. Right, Chet? or even ring the bell for the Salvation Army. We even go visit people in the, the hospital, the nursing homes. We, we take meals to people and, and when they're sick or been hospitalized. We do a lot of good things. But sometimes we're just like the Pharisees. We get a little bit confused. 
the passage today in, in Mark chapter 7 kind of really takes us to that place. That we see that the, an, inst- an instance that's taking place, and, and the Pharisees are, are observing Jesus' disciples. Those poor guys are always stuck in the middle, right? Always doing something wrong, always doing something who knows. And then here's Jesus trying to teach these guys and, and share and direct them. And it's just something crazy and simple, but the Pharisees observe Jesus' disciples not washing their hands before they eat. Now, it's not that their hands were unclean. Not in the sense that you know, they were filthy, they'd been working in the, in the fields, or they'd been gutting fish or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of thing. It's that their hands were not ritually clean. So they hadn't done the proper washing. If you were to go back to the, the, um, this, this miracle, the first miracle Jesus did, right? And the, the big pots of water that he turned into wine, those pots were actually water to be used to wash your hands before you partook in the, the meal so they would be ritually clean. And if you read the first few verses there in chapter 7, it talks about this, that it wasn't just the Pharisees who did this. This was the, the tradition of all the Jews that always washed their hands. Any good Jewish person washed their hands ritually so they were clean before they ate food. And they were under this, this idea that, that if you didn't do that, then what you ate was unclean, and the uncleanness that you just ate went into your body and it made you unclean. They had this real kind of confused idea of what being clean and unclean meant. And so Jesus in his... Well, frustration, I think. We never think about Jesus being frustrated, do we? But I, I really believe Jesus was frustrated a lot. He was human. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning, how he was very much human. And I think he got frustrated with us. I know he got frustrated with the disciples. But here he is, he's frustrated with the, the Pharisees. And he says, you guys, you just don't get it. You've always been doing these things, doing these things, trying to do the right things. You do this and you do that. You do all the other things, but you just don't get it. Everything you do is on the outside, and it's all about appearances. You look really good. Your tassels are the right length on your shawls and, and on your robes, and, and you show up at the right times, and you say the right prayers, and you do all the right things but you just don't get it because it's all for show. It's not what goes into the mouth that makes the body unclean. It's what's inside. I want to pick up with you this morning at Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 14. It was a couple of weeks ago we had Jesus talking and speaking and telling people, listen, listen, listen to hear. Those of you who have ears, listen. Understand what I'm saying. And here again, we begin this passage the same kind of way. Jesus speaking to the crowd there, and the Pharisees are there as he's just scolded them about looking only at the outside things. He says these words. Jesus, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? Sounds a little frustrated, doesn't he? Are you so dull? He asked. 
Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So it has nothing to do with what you eat or whether you washed your hands or whether you showed up in church that makes you unclean. It's what's inside of here. See, that was a problem with the Pharisees. They did all the right things. They looked really good on the outside. But it was what was in here that wasn't right. And the same thing can be very true of us today. What's in here? Why did we do that? Why did I go to church today? Why did I put money in the offering plate? Why did I do this good thing? Why did I do that good thing? Why did I behave in this way? It's what's in here. And Jesus is like, listen and understand. And it wasn't even the actions that made him right. The Pharisees did lots of good things, lots of good actions. It's what's inside. Jesus was teaching another time, and he was asked what was the greatest commandment. We've probably all heard this before. And he responded, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? We know that. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Greatest commandment is to love. Now some would say love is an action word. And I would probably argue with you today about that. Love is not an action word. Love is a motive word. It's why you do an action. It's not the action itself. It's an internal thing, right? If I love sports, then I'm going to participate in them. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to follow them because I love them. It's a love that I have. It's something, a motive that makes me do something. If I love my family, I'm going to provide for them and take care of them and spend time with them and be concerned when they're concerned and care for them. It's a motive. It's why I do it. It's internal. I'm going to give you a little more scriptural to back that up. How's that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you could probably quote the whole chapter. Call it the love chapter, right? Use it oftentimes at weddings because it's this wonderful passage about love. very first three verses in that, this is what Paul writes about love. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. It's what's in here. It's that love. I can do all those wonderful things and have all those wonderful things. I can have a faith that can move mountains. But if I don't have love, if I don't have what's inside, I've got nothing. I'm a clanging cymbal. An annoying clanging cymbal. I'm empty. Of course, if we know and we understand who Jesus is, he wasn't just teaching about the, the negative aspects of that. He wasn't just saying that because, you know, if you have evil inside of you, that evil is going to come out. But he says, what comes in? What is that? That love of God, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When you're filled with the love of Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, when you give him that place in your heart, your motives change. The reasons you do things change. The actions that begin to happen change. Now, I'm not saying that right now that people don't do things out of right motives. There are many of you who do. That's how you live your life because you have that love in your heart. But that passage of Scripture that Paul wrote about love wasn't just for a woman or a man, for your spouse. It was for everybody. If I truly have that love in my life, then I don't worry about wrongs. I don't keep record of wrongs. I don't seek for myself. I hope and I bring blessing to others because I love. My acts become righteous acts, not selfish acts of make myself look good, make myself feel good because I did the good thing and the right thing. I did it because it was driven by love for God and love for other people. This morning, I want you to hear that. I want you to understand that. I, you need to kind of look at your own heart. Why do I do the things I do? Why did I show up this morning? Is it tradition? Is it what we do on Sunday mornings? Is it someone dragged me along here? If I didn't have anything better else to do? What's my motive? If we turn back to John or back to Mark chapter 7 and we continue beginning at verse 24 there, Jesus has moved on to another place. The city of Tyre. And Tyre is a, a city on the coast, the Mediterranean. He's gone there, and it's a very Gentile city. And while he's there, he's teaching. And this woman comes up to him. Scripture calls her a Syrophoenician woman. So, I mean, that obviously makes her very much Gentile, very much unclean. Um, she's a woman, which in their culture, for her to come and speak to him would really be uh, unusual and awkward. But she comes to Jesus with this request. I, I, just, I probably should just read it for you. 
Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs on the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. And you're like, uh, what does that have to do with what you just told me? Greek woman. As unclean as it can get if you're a Jew, right? And she's a woman. No offense, ladies. Not offense, men. But culturally, it was really weird for women to come and approach a man and talk to him, especially when it wasn't her own husband or family member. So Greek woman approaches Jesus, doesn't just approach him, she approaches him very boldly and begging and pleading. Not just, I'm going to ask you once, but I'm going to stick here and I'm going to be a thorn in your side until you answer me. And Jesus responds to her, it's not right that the children's bread should be thrown to the dogs. And boy, we could really take that and really kind of twist that and, and say, well, you know, the Jews thought of the Gentiles as dogs, Right? And so Jesus is calling this this woman a dog and that she's worthless. But that's not the case at all. There's a scripture that that reads that first for the Jew, then the Gentile. And it's blessings and discipline. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So that's all he's really talking about here. So let's, let's not get that confused. Jesus is kind of really checking her out. He's testing her heart. He says, do you just want something from me? What's your heart like? And she responds to him, and Jesus sees and identifies that it's not just some outward thing. He looks at her heart, and he sees this woman, even though she is unclean on the outside. The Pharisees wouldn't have talked to her, wouldn't have let her in the house, would have thrown her out of the place, wouldn't have had anything to do with her. But because she wasn't unclean in her heart, Jesus responds to her. He hears her cry, her plead, and he heals her daughter. This morning as we think about these passages, as we think about these scriptures, and we think about who Jesus is and what he's done, we need to take and and do a little inventory in our hearts. You see, righteousness, our, our good acts, aren't about the things that are on the outside. It's about what's in here. And if what's in here is unclean, then what's going to come out is unclean. And I don't say you're going to go out and be a an axe murderer, you're going to start and rob banks or you're going to cheat on your taxes or whatever it is. But what I'm saying is this morning you need to examine your heart. Because you might find yourself to be just like one of the Pharisees. Everything looks really good on the outside. 
but I just don't have it yet on the inside. Or maybe you'll find yourself like the Syrophoenician woman that everybody uh, says, man, you don't, you don't measure up. On the outside, you just don't look right, but on the inside, your heart's in the right place. You know and understand that there's a loving God who can do amazing things in your life if you just ask. And ask him to do it through you. This morning, the band's going to come out in a moment. I just I want us to just kind of stand together and I can sing along with them. So you can stand with me this morning. I want to pray here in a moment. They're going to come and play. But I invite you this morning, if there's something that's not right in your heart this morning, to don't hold on to it. Don't wait till later. Don't wait till I'm going to go out in the parking lot and I'm going to go talk with my friend about it. Talk to God about it this morning. We have altars here. You can come here and pray. You can stand there and pray. It doesn't matter to me. But don't hold on to it. This morning, do a heart check. Is your heart right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this time, we're so very thankful for your word. We're thankful for a Savior that, even though he got frustrated with us, continued to teach and guide and direct. And Lord, to model what it means to have a right heart to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors and ourselves, and Lord, then to act out of that place of love and compassion. This morning I pray that as we're standing here in your presence, and as the music's played, that we yield our hearts to you. Make them right, make them pure, wash them white as snow. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.